everyone, and welcome to Apropos. Eric is uh, somewhere probably presenting a conference talk about closure or something like it. Uh, I'm sure he'll tell us when he gets back. So I'm doing the intro today, and I don't know what it is. Uh, so welcome to Apropos, where we spend half an hour talking about uh, being a closure dev, closure news, closure community, whatever you want to talk about in the chat, etc. And then at in half an hour, we're going to jump into the REPL, and we are going to work on a problem together uh, that I believe Mike has made up. So if we can't solve it, it's his fault. So welcome, everyone. I'm Mia, and this is Mike. Say hi, Mike. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and Ray. Say hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. And we are apropos. Yeah. That was a pretty good introduction. Thanks, also. Yeah, it was very good. Thank you. Eric's out of a job, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he gets back, I think we're going to propose that you take over. No, because I want to eat. Yeah. Oh, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, you had a topic this week. Well, I, I was curious about something. I was thinking about this the other day. And I recall that for some closure work that I had done in the past, I, I kind of ended up feeling like. Um, I would need to optimize things heavily. And it was almost kind of depressing because I would end up having to write the closure code in a way that looked like Java or would, you know, it was not really like normal closure code. And, you know, you would compare, you would, you would either write something simple in closure and see that it is correct and it behaves properly. Uh, but then you would, you could go and compare it to uh, a Java equivalent. Uh, oftentimes, I was like imitating algorithms that were invented back in the '70s, right? So, so they, you know, there already was code out there that you could just grab and run and see how it did. And um, I found that I was doing that a lot. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day because outside of that, I don't think I've experienced that that strongly. You know, a lot of times, like if I'm writing an iOS app uh, in Closure Script, I, I never, I never do end up feeling like that. That I need to. Uh, go back and optimize this thing to death to get it to run quickly. And and if you say why, why was I optimizing this stuff? It was because in that job it was it was code that was running um, in cloud infrastructure, and it was all CPU bound, right? So um, it was you know time is money kind of thing. I guess compute time was money, and uh, it, it was more also just like trying to meet the requirements of getting it to run things quickly. You know more so than the money, honestly. Uh, because you know, if you if you would write it na naive closure, something might take like two days to run. <laughs> it's like no one's going to wait around for that, right? Okay. For these large data sets. <laughs> so you would you would optimize it and optimize it to get it to run in maybe six hours or something like that. So it was really a, you know you were talking about long time spans for things to run. When you're running iOS apps, you're more more or less worried about uh, responsiveness and performance, and it seems easier to to meet those goals or or things just tend to work out right. You know, I was curious if, if either of you have had experiences like that where you ended up in this position where you're like, ah, oh, no, I'm not even sure if I'm using the right language in the end, but I can't admit to that. You know, I can't, I'm not going <laughs> to switch to writing this stuff in Java. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I, I came close to that once where at a cloud company as well, um, yeah. where we were taking bytes over the wire and we ended up using um, the Netty byte buffer interface. And the byte buffer interface is pretty low level, you know. Um, and that, that was actually the, the they gave me uh, a test um, to write a parser, um, a bit oriented parser, uh, as part of the uh, pre 
pre-int, pre-screening activities. So, I mean, you know, and that was mental, really. I mean, I, I was a, pro, a C programmer a long time ago, so I knew some of this bit-shifting stuff, but, yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> it's not, I mean, it felt weird to do all this, like, bit left bit. I mean, I didn't even know that Clojure had that kind of stuff, to be honest. I've never really yeah. used it in anger. But I ended up using it to get a job, <laughs> which, which I've never then used again, you know. So thank God. So that was more like um, instead of like trying to save money on CPU costs, you were just you were trying to do some awkward bit shifting to like impress your future employer. To, no, well, actually, in the, jo in the job, there was a little bit of low level. There wasn't exactly bit shifting, but it was kind of like... Um, with byte buffers, like saying, okay, we've got we've got a peek into this byte buffer. It's let's say it's very low level system type programming things, yeah. and 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 closure doesn't really feel right for that to be honest. Um, but I, but I think sometimes if it's like in that case, it was a fairly small part of the system, so it didn't feel justifiable, providing the performance was okay with um, with with closure. Um, to essentially interrupt with the Java libraries, it wasn't really worth having a whole new tool chain for that one piece you know yeah and i think that's really the question isn't it is if you're if you're suffering from performance and it's it's kind of endemic then maybe you are using the wrong language yeah okay. we're uh we you know we have this legacy system that's uh, mostly ruby and when we're replacing it we're trying to kind of outdo the ruby stuff in terms of performance yeah. and it's really embarrassing it was really embarrassing there's a point where we flipped the switch on um you know, we flipped the switch on the metrics and turned those on, and then we saw that uh, the Ruby stuff was outperforming us by a couple orders of magnitude, and we had to go back through. And it was just on this one app where it was going through um, just a ton of data, and uh, we hadn't really optimized how we were parsing that at all. Right. So um, it was a little embarrassing, but <laughs> we fixed it. So well, sometimes, go on, Naima. I was just going to ask me a quick follow up to that. Was that the was that the kind of big algorithm? In other words, you know, you wanted to yeah. like order the order the files in a certain way or the data in a certain way um, rather than a language. Yeah, no, it was the algorithm. We had just written this really naive algorithm, and um, it ran through all of this giant data set a few times. It was right, really just... Right, right, right. Multi-pass stuff, yeah. yeah. We had yeah. to reduce the complexity of the algorithm by quite a bit. And after that, it did end up outperforming the legacy system. But the first pass was very bad. <laughs> it's nice in that case because you've got a benchmark, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind yeah. of be better than the old stuff. Yeah, because often, often there is no benchmark. It's like Mike was saying, you know, often it's a matter of feel or... Someone says, "Well, you know, it's costing money, or it's there is some, there's some maybe there's some pressure that isn't really obvious or visible." I mean, with you, Mike, you say it was like CPU hours. Was that well, was that so measured somewhere in some way? There, there is a mixture of those two sentiments, I guess. One of them was like, "Here's a benchmark of something that's written in Java," and you're like, "Okay, man, my closure version's twenty times slower. I need to, you know." And then, and then you end up, you know, rewriting it to to look more like Java, but it's still in enclosure. But you, I found in those cases, um, you could you could get to like half the speed of the Java. It was hard to actually match the Java. I, I'm assuming that you can if you try hard enough. Um, mm. But oftentimes it's still even you know challenging. And and at half the speed, that was getting close to being fine. 
Um, but then other times it's kind of like there is no unknown um, or, or there's the, the performance is unknown and you just know that it's taking like two days. Like, come on, this, this thing has to run faster, you know. Um, and, and that's that's oftentimes too after the first time you write something, right? You always know. You can always optimize something after you get it working, right? Yeah, sure. There's always sure. some things to, that you can do to make it faster. Yeah, I think, isn't it? It's always a question, isn't it, about where where to put the effort, you know, because if it's good enough, two days could be fine for some situations. Right. You know, even even if it takes two days to do something. But if people are, you know, if, if it's if normally they want it in the same business day, then you've got a problem. Yeah, I guess in in, in those situations, like typically you, you can, you know, you have this feeling that if you optimize the innermost loops or the bottom most bit, you can yeah. get away with it. And I felt like what was happening there was like that part that would be at the bottom that you need to optimize was like growing in scope up and high up into the stack, like to where it was right. like getting close, like half of the code was this way. <laughs> and then you had very little glue on top of it. Um, yeah. Maybe that was an extreme experience where I, I assume that's not always the case, right? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my personal feeling is that as soon as I see things like even type hints, which, you know, I know some people like these type hints, but I'm, 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 a, I'm an unfan of type hints. I think type hints are like horrible. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're there just to help the closure compile. I know that they make things go faster. Yeah, I get that. But I don't right. care because <laughs> normally it doesn't matter. You know, norm, not you know. It, well, it doesn't. I mean, yeah. and again, it's extra effort and it's extra. It's noise on the line. It's all these string here, integer that, but all these. T I might as well write by writing fucking Scala. You know. Right. So I I I, I hear all these like uh, type hints. So I'm I'm reluctant to put them in. But if you need it, okay, you put them yeah. in. But mm -hmm. you put them in when you need them, not not as a first thing, in my opinion. Putting it out there, Mia. What do you think? I'm thinking we, yeah, we rarely use type hints. We've got a huge code base. Um, oftentimes, if we're using type hints, it's because we're working across teams and we want to make sure that everyone's on the same page with the inputs and outputs. And that is a very safe way to do that. Hmm. But do you think spec will change that, though? I mean, we've actually moved away from type hints in large part because we're using spec for that instead. So we spec validate everything that goes in and everything that goes out. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> then you've got all the typing, all the, all the base type shit at, at the bottom of specs, haven't you? Yeah. And I actually don't know enough about how spec works under the hood. I should read about it because we use it constantly. I know how to use it, and I don't know how it uses itself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's another thing, isn't it? That in theory will affect performance because, you know, if you if you turn on all of this validation, then you're going to, you know, put extra perform extra mm -hmm. hits on every function call and. Which is the know, opposite I, of what the type hinting is supposed to do. So, isn't it? I mean, the spec is making it yeah, slower ultimately, yeah. and type hints yeah. are supposed to make it faster. So. Mm. Yeah. I also kind of feel like um it. At least you could argue that if you're working in closure, um, oftentimes it is easier to explore different alternative algorithms or implementations, and you can often mm -hmm. arrive at um, a faster solution. Uh, it's easier to 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 play around with optimizing things. I I feel like then rather than like if you write a a fairly complex algorithm, say in Java, um, it ends up being fast, but it's kind of uh, calcified or you know there's a lot of cruft. 
So if you want to say, oh, yeah. let's try this instead, you have to move more code around to, to try a different mm -hmm. algorithm. Uh, so at least in Clojure, you have that flexibility to, to quickly rearrange things to try to make it run faster. Um, so that's, that's one pro, I guess, for writing it in Clojure in the first place. Um, also thinking on the subject, I think uh, I, I did some of the, um, the advent of code problems that um, come out every December. They're kind of like nice little programming problems that you can do. And um, I've been taking the approach of just kind of writing the solutions to those as clean as possible. Clean, you know, with an, with an eye towards readability and, um, you know, that right balance between succinctness and, and too much code. So I, I would end up writing a solution that was almost almost got to be elegant, you know, and, and nice and pretty. But then once you have one of those solutions for those little problems, the next question that pops into your mind is like, how fast can I make this run? And that's what a lot of the um, advent of code participants would do is they would like optimize these things to death, right? To like see like how fast can you make this thing fly? And you invariably end up tearing up your code, right? It looks horrible after that. Yeah, <laughs> It doesn't look like closure in the end. But it's interesting to do, you know? Yeah, I've seen that where people end up putting things into byte arrays or, you know, using underlying or JavaScript arrays underneath or Java arrays or whatever. Or byte buffers again, you know. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I think what made me think about this or what got me thinking on this other day was that I've, I've realized that for quite a while, for the past year or two, um, I haven't been working on any jobs where that was a primary driver. Like I could actually write code where the, the main thing was just functionality rather than performance um, mm. it needed to do certain things and and the, the that's where closure was was shining because i could you know i could use the powers of that language to to cobble together solutions that that were good enough in terms of performance and uh without having to like <laughs> basically write it in java that looked like closure or whatever you know yeah. But what, how does that play out with uh, with the compiler, though, Mike? Because I'm guessing that's the opposite world, you know, where you are trying to optimize a little bit for for performance. So you're thinking about like what does the closure compiler do, or what does the closure script compiler do? The closure script compiler, you know, well, you're committing to it, so you know. Sometimes oh, okay. I notice that you you. You yeah. put benchmarks and you say, okay, you know, this thing has speeded up, that thing has speeded up, or. Yeah, that's that's really weird because well, first of all, you you don't really use type hints so much in Clojure Script, right? Because no, that's true. the JavaScript language deals with that that you know fundamentally. It it you know those engines will look at the values that are going through and did, and deduce the types from that and optimize the code at runtime. Um, where you know in Java you do it statically. Um, so the, one interesting thing there is like um, in Clojure Script you are actually oftentimes targeting multiple J, uh, JavaScript engines simultaneously, like if you're targeting the browser. So you have nice. to write you have to write some benchmark and then you will see um, how your how your code performs across all these different VMs. And it makes it a little bit more a little less clear as to what the right answer is. Usually like if you have a performance improvement across the board, you'll get performance improvements on all those VMs. But every now and then you'll have one that slows down based on something. And then, then you're kind of in a predicament. It's like, oh, what's, you know, what is, you don't want to like introduce something that slows down one of those, uh, <laughs> one of those targets. But if, if it really speeds up all the other ones, then you're like, ah, maybe I should put it in. You know? <laughs> so there's, there's that, like the closure script optimization, like the runtime libraries and stuff like that. And then on the other side, there's like the compiler itself, right? You want to make the closure script compiler itself run faster. 
Yeah, yeah. Just just for the developer experience, and that's that's written in closure. So all those same arguments come back into play, like type hinting and and everything. You know, but that's that's always a big part of um, maybe maybe that's like twenty five to to fifty percent of what you think about when you're working on the closure script compiler is performance kind of things. Because closure script compiler has actually reached a point where you know, if you go back several years ago, it, there were still low-hanging fruit in terms of things that needed to be fixed to make it work properly. The functionality wasn't completely there. But now we've reached this point where it, it you know, a lot of the stuff works, right? And it's a matter of like, can we make it work faster? Uh, yeah. But it's, you know, a lot of times it's fast enough, you know? Yeah. Well, like you said, doing things like uh, caching certain things are, are the big wins. Yeah. What about you, Mia? Are you, are you do your people apart from because you're doing a lot of network stuff off Kafka? That is the performance. So most of that is actually I matter, you know. It does, but <laughs> most of that is actually happening at a different level than in the code base itself. So, like a lot of our big performance wins and losses are in how well we're using uh, the Kafka infrastructure. Right. And that, that isn't at the code level, right? That's at the DevOps level. So I would say we see our biggest performance uh, issues in the system itself and not the code. So the, the pressure is there mostly to optimize um, how are we partitioning our topics, right? How are we reading our topics? How long are we keeping our topics? What do we do when we need to delete a topic? Um, and none of that really happens at the closure level. So it does happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we usually call someone else to do it. <laughs> awesome. So. so that's good. So your closure code ends up being rather clean and untarnished by optimizations. We try. Uh, we try, yeah. As clean yeah. as you can make it, of course. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for us is we're a really big team that works across the world. Mm. So our... Like our optimizations and our code are all around uh, readability, maintainability. Uh, we want anyone to be able to go into our code base and make changes within a couple of days, right? Because we don't know which team is going to end up taking over that. Yeah. So it's like if it, if there's no fire, then keep it clean. Yeah. Because that's yeah. I mean, I think that's a great. That's a great. You know, honestly, I think that's an awesome optimization. But I mean, it's because we have the luxury to do that because we are building it on this gigantic Kafka system, right? So it's uh, the level of optimization is just different for us. It's not code level optimizations. It's DevOps level optimizations. And mm. I think that the smaller your system, the less likely you are to have that. And the more you need, the more your code optimizations matter there. I don't know, though. I think architecture matters. I think that's probably, you know, also oh, yeah. important, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, because I, you know, I've spent a lot of my time doing architecture and, you know, people kind of don't get it often. But actually knowing where, where to store the data, where to move the data, how to, like, decouple processing parts between, you know, the, the user input and the response and all these kind of things all the different tiers that you have to go through. That's kind of stuff which is, you know, can be quite arcane, but if you, if you get it right, it can give you huge boosts in performance. Yeah, it's no coincidence. Our biggest conversations and our biggest, uh, not fights, but 
And definitely the most important topic for us is data types and data type management. Uh, because ultimately we have these little islands of microservices that are lobbing just a ton of information at each other. And if that information isn't organized in a way that makes sense, then the system falls apart. So the data types come first. We design the data types before we start in the architecture for anything else. Well, what I mean is like the kind of the global architecture of the system, which is because mm -hmm. that's kind of like the, the Kafka thing, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you, you would never use Kafka for, for just one little app, would you? You know, you, it has to be a kind of, you have to have a global view of the system to get Kafka in, you know, because otherwise everyone would just use local queues or core async or RabbitMQ or, you know, some like, yeah. some small kind of piece to piece communication rather yeah. than some nice big system that can scale out and take care of you. Yeah. But I was going to say was that there are some some things like that which are like up there, like you know, in the clouds, big across the way. But then there are some some applications which, like Mike's saying, on mobile phones or whatever, where you know you it's not like that. You can't scale out in the infrastructure. You know, you're relying on the the local loops, the local graphics cards and stuff. But I think we're a bit lucky, aren't we, if we're sitting on top of React because someone underneath it. The React people are trying to optimize the code there, especially React Native. Yeah, I've never, um, like with mobile apps, I've never even found that um, compiling ClojureScript with optimizations enabled or advanced mattered really that much. Like it, you could you could use just simple or anything to get it on there. Um, and the only real thing that I ever noticed with advanced optimizations was that it made the app launch a little bit faster. But once it was running, there were no performance issues really ever. I mean, you could write some horrific code that's that's ridiculously slow, but usually like the, yeah. the naive code that you write is pretty good. Yeah. As far as I know, the advanced optimization stuff, at least at the beginning, at the beginning at least, was touted for like code deduplication. And like tree shaking and all that kind of stuff to make the to make the zip files smaller. So that's really what because Google the Google um, closure compiler can do that whole application optimization stuff. Yeah, yeah. So oftentimes you don't need it. Like if you're writing a Node app or or a mobile yeah. app that ships the code with it. Yeah, you're not too worried about code size then. It's more about um, speed. The need for speed. <laughs> I'm just happy I'm not working on that kind of stuff. I'd yeah. prefer to have clean closure code rather than this. I remember uh, talking to, I think Zach Talman is the kind of like canonical example of this in the community mm -hmm. who like uh, oscillates between closure and Java depending on the the, yeah. the need. Oh, you know, ooh, oh, Zach, are you listening? Defend yourself. He, he, um, he says it, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's talked about it. I don't mean he, I don't mean he prefers one or the other. I mean, he will, he lives yeah. he will discriminate. Yeah, yeah no, he, he does. Will, he will choose one sensibly and say, okay, well, I've got some math stuff or whatever, some stuff to do here. And all of the domain is <clears throat> all of the domain is easy to optimize in Java, so I'm just going to do that versus I'm going to do some general API thing at the higher level, which is more closure-y. So, you know, he could say it more eloquently than that, but <laughs> I think generally... To me, you know, we get a lot of benefits with immutability. Some of those will help performance in the end, um, but 
some of them won't. And the overall kind of notion, I mean, you know, we have these these data structures don't come completely for free. You know, there is a there is a cost to these um, persistent data structures. And I think generally from an abstraction perspective and from a cognitive load perspective, they're really worth it. But you know, you have to be able to afford it on the CPU, like you say, Mike. Yeah, and computers are only getting faster, right? Um, so for a lot of problem domains. I think they've stopped getting faster, haven't they? Yeah, it's done. Oh, they stopped, it's, all, yeah. it's all about GPUs now. Yeah. Yeah, multi-core, which is actually in Clojure's favor in theory. I mean, this was like, this is kind of the joke, wasn't it? I mean, you know, we're, we're running a bit long now. We'll shut up in a, I'll shut up in a minute. But this was the joke that people like were sold this, oh, it's the, it's the CPU cliff, you know, we're, we're all, we're, Moore's Law is finished and now we're going multi-core. And everyone who's doing multi-core and all this threading is going to kill everyone. So, hey, mm -hmm. come on the functional programming bandwagon and get your persistent immutable data structures here. Um, but it hasn't happened, you know? Yeah. Everyone should jump on the functional programming bandwagon anyway, though. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, better. Definitely. It's easier, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Are we done on that one? I think so, because it, it's REPL time. I was just going to give you a quick, you know, I had a sort of uh, shameful demo of the reptile last time. So I want to, I fixed a few bugs. So I want to, I want to <laughs> do another demo. Also, Mia, you went here, so. I wasn't um, here yet. You need, you need your training, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we might as well do it live. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Exactly. <laughs>